0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. In just a minute, we're going to talk to you about questions leaders must ask their team. Questions leaders must ask their team. See, leaders are always trying to mobilize their team, to get them focused so that they can hit an intended goal and reach objectives. Well, today we're going to talk to you about questions that a leader must ask their team. But before we jump into the lesson, I want to remind you of some dates that are really important. February 28th. February 28th, we're going to be in Orlando, Florida, and we will be doing a roundtable, and then on March 7th, we will be in Albuquerque, New Mexico doing a roundtable, and also on March 14th in St. Louis, we will be doing a roundtable. I want to encourage you to mark these dates. We did our first one just a few days ago, and I was really taken off guard by the level of response that we received from the roundtable. I'm walking people through the four stages of a leader's life. I can tell you right now, I receive so much feedback. In fact, the very first stage, a man literally texted me and he said, every Christian needs to hear this. I'm telling you, you want to come out, be a part of the Orlando, be a part of the Albuquerque and then the St. Louis roundtables. You're going to learn information that will inspire you, that will help you, will encourage you. And so you can go to my website, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and you can sign up there. And I'm telling you, you may love listening to Leadership But being in the room with leadership is even better than listening to it. Again, questions leaders must ask their team. Questions leaders must ask your team. The first question is this. Do you feel the energy? Do you feel the energy? I walk into my staff room many, many times. I just ask them, That question, I ask them to just not say anything, not think, just respond. Do you feel the energy? Now, why is that question important? Because in an organization, the energy starts there. There has to be a room that the energy starts in. And that room for us is our staff room. See, here's one of the things that you learn biblically. The nature of God is to start with something. Now, it's not that God needs something to start with. It's just that he prefers to start with something. Whether it was the boy with the loaves and fishes, what did he do? He started with those. He lifted them up to heaven, and he blessed them. And all of a sudden— He took what he started with, and it fed 5,000 people. Jesus had a man who was blind. What did he do? He started with mud. Why did he do that? Because this physical body began with dust made out of the mud of this earth, and he put the mud on the man's eyes, and the man began to see. He started with something, Jesus' very first miracle. The law first mentioned, what did he do? He started with water, and he turned water into wine. Here's what I can tell you about any organization. The executive team is where the energy has to start. Now, I don't know what your organization looks like. It could be you and you alone. It could be you and just a couple of people that are the key players, or it could be you and many players, but there's a handful the executive team is where the energy starts. No one will have more energy than you. So I literally look at my team. I said, I want you to feel what's in this room. And usually they've just gotten up and they're a little bit tired. And honestly, they don't feel anything. But my point is, not whether they feel it or not, they have to understand that the energy starts In that room. So that question just sort of brings them to this place. Can you be the energy which starts everything? Can you, inside you, be the energy that starts everything? Now, another thing that's a reality is if you get people to begin to do that and believe that, There's an energy loss the further you get from the top. Every organization has headwinds the further you get from the top. And the issue of planes, we are told that there's a thing called drag, where the plane and a solid item begins to hit the flow of air around it. And there's just a drag that begins to slow it down. And there has to be enough energy propelling it forward to resist what's slowing it down. Now, that's the question. Is there enough energy in your starting room moving you forward to resist the drag of what is slowing you down. Is there enough? See, most organizations are lethargic. They're waiting for something outside to compel them to move. But the truth of the matter is, the energy starts with you. It starts with me, and then it starts with my executive team. That's where the energy begins. We have to be stewards of the energy. And if we will start, God will come alongside, and he will add, and he will multiply. But God likes to work with something. And if there's no energy, there's nothing for him to work with. So he wants to work with something. Can you feel the energy? It starts In one room, it starts with a handful of people. Can you feel the energy? The second question, can you sustain yourself? So you're in that room and they're looking to you to be the starting place for the energy. So you don't feel it. You don't think you have it. But somehow you reach in and you take what you have. But can you sustain yourself? See, one of the things about leadership is this. I can ignite you, but I cannot sustain you. See, I can walk in a room and I can motivate. I can walk in a room and I can inspire. I can walk in a room and I can create vision. And all of those things, inspiration, motivation, vision, all of those compelling forces can begin to move I can ignite you, but I cannot sustain you. I can only ignite you so many times before it ceases to be energy efficient for me to do it. So I can only walk in the room and and get you going so many times and eventually you have to get yourself going. And a lot of people think, that it is one leader's or two leader's job to make them feel like they should go somewhere. As Lou Holtz, the coach of Notre Dame in the past said, it's no one's job to wake you up every morning and say, come on, sweetheart, get up, you can do it. Eventually, you have to be able to sustain your own energy. I can start you but I cannot sustain you. Question number three, can you ignite others and teach others to sustain themselves? Can you ignite others and teach others to sustain yourself? You want to find out if you're a leader? It's not whether you can ignite yourself, but can you ignite others? And once you ignite them, can you teach them how to stay in the power mode? Can you teach them to sustain themselves? See, energy is the first step to momentum. And we've all been taught momentum is a leader's best friend. Momentum is the leader's best friend. And a lack of momentum is a leader's worst enemy. But energy is the first step to momentum. Your ability to give energy, your ability to sustain energy, your ability to ignite others, and then your ability to teach others how to sustain themselves. Number four, can you have energy when life isn't perfect? Can you have energy when life isn't perfect. In Ecclesiastes, it it talks about an environment where someone's going out and they're looking at the clouds and they're looking at the sun and they're looking at the winds. And what it's referencing is they're looking for a perfect moment. But the truth of the matter is there aren't perfect moments. And if they are, they don't happen often. So you have to be able to have energy when things aren't good, because if you do not have the ability to have energy when things aren't good, then you can't lead. I can remember um, several years ago, I get a call and I find out that my father, who at that time was in his 70s has fallen off a 15-foot ladder headfirst into a concrete floor. I'm being asked to rush back to a certain state. And as I go back to that state, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to see a man whose head is severely damaged. Now, I'm going to literally be the one who all the medical decisions are going to be made by going to sit in the waiting room as the surgery goes on. But then what's going to happen is I've got to fly back and I have to do the biggest meeting I do every year, the leadership meeting that we do at our church. People are flying in from everywhere. Now, my dad's in intensive care. He is yet to wake up but I have to fly back and I have to do that. I'm on the phone constantly when I'm not on the stage with the nurses and the doctors back there. See, if the only time I could be good was if things were perfect, then what's going to happen is I'm not going to be able to lead. I've got to call off that meeting. I have to begin to say, hey, that meeting is not going to work. Why? Because it's just not a good time for me. If the only time you can have energy is when life is perfect, you're never going to be an effective leader. You've got to lead when things aren't perfect. That leads us to number five. Have you learned to tap into the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, when your flesh is tired? You know, Paul was honest about ministry, life, and leadership. He says, don't be weary in well-doing. And what he was saying is this. One of the greatest things that stops leadership is when people just get tired, when they get worn down. But it's not worn down because they're doing bad things. It's just worn down doing good things. And he says, don't get tired. And then Paul talked in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and verse 16. He said, the outer man perishes. This body, it has diminishing returns. But he said, the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, notice what he said. He didn't say week by week, but he said day by day. You don't get to take a week off from God. You don't get to take a day off from God. If you're going to do something meaningful for God... Then you've got to stay close to God and you have to rely on His Spirit. Why? Because Zechariah told us in chapter 4 and verse 6 it's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. So have you learned that when you're tired, God's not? Have you learned that when you're worn out, God's still strong? Have you learned to take your strength and exchange it for God's strength? Have you learned? to tap into the spirit. Number six, can you do good things when you don't want to do good anymore? I mean, aren't there days when you just want to say, I've had enough? I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this. Let someone else take the load. Let someone else live with the weight of this. I don't want to do this. Man, you do what I do. Here's the hardest thing about ministry is it's daily. And every seven days, there's another opportunity. And you do that week after week, month after month, year after year. I've done it for 45 years. As I tell people, when I hit 30 years in ministry, I thought you would get parole. But all they did was give me an ankle bracelet. But here's the truth. Can you keep doing good even when you don't want to do good? That's a question. Number seven is this. Can you be a self-starter, letting God do something bigger than you? See, if you're a self-starter, God's going to start with you, but he's going to end with him. He's going to do something bigger than you. I've literally stood in, in services and I've taught. And I've stood at the back door and someone's come up to me and said, God just did this. And they begin to describe what God did. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I didn't say anything that was even close to that. Yet, you know what God did? He took what I said and he made it bigger. He made it greater. I've literally taught leadership meetings and I've asked myself, did I do any good? And then I'll get a letter or an email or a text from someone totally around the world who in their country, things are challenging. And they'll say, hey, that podcast did this to me. Why is that? Because God does something bigger than you. It's what 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God's ability to do something bigger. See, energy can only be sustained by discipline. And as I've said many times, discipline is the gift that a leader gives themselves. Deadlines are what people give you if you lack discipline. Discipline is the ability to do the things you need to do even when you do not want to do them. And so the reason you can be a self-starter isn't because you feel it. It's because you're disciplined. And see, if you take energy and discipline and you let God mix them together, do you know what happens next? God creates momentum. And there's a lot of you, you're saying, I need more momentum in my organization. Well, let's just play it out. You be a self-starter. You give the energy you have. You be disciplined to give that energy. Let God begin to take that energy and make it bigger than you. And then all of a sudden, you'll look around and people will say, man, do you feel that momentum? And it all started because one person chose to have energy. I guess my question is, are you that one person? Are you that one person in your organization? Do you have the discipline to do what you need to do, even when you don't want to do it? Are you waiting for some big emotion and feeling? And as I've said forever, Discipline isn't an emotion you feel. It is a decision you make. You just decide. Some of you are one decision away from getting in the game, supplying the energy, beginning to be disciplined, God doing something bigger with your energy and discipline than you know, and all of a sudden you create momentum in your organization. And then someone will look at you and say, Momentum is your best friend. Well, the reason it's your best friend is because you've learned how to give the energy. If you'll give a little at the start, God will multiply it and turn it into something big at the finish. Thank you again so much for coming and being a part. I just want to invite you on February 28th Uh, We're going to be in Orlando. Sign up for that. Don't just listen to the podcast. You're in that area. Come and join us. March 7th, we will be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then on March 14th in St. Louis. We have 40 leadership events that we will do throughout this year. We want to invite you to them. The roundtables are a great environment. Get in the room. When you're in the room, you multiply yourself. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.